This week on Best Friends Horror Story. We're going to talk about the grudge. <laughs> that hand the, in the shower. The hand in the shower. The creepy noise that... Uh, I hate it. I hate it. That noise makes me want to die. Stop! <laughs> I don't, she is a housewife and she lives in Tuburban. Tuburban. Wow. I really am having a having a time. Uh, she arrives to her phone. Her phone? <laughs> Huh. See, now that I have to talk and I, I have a slightly runny nose. I'm sorry. Anyways, Fiona arrives at her home. Home. Guess who's back? Back again. Best friend's back. Uh, it's best friends. <laughs> We're back. We're back. Thanks for, thanks for. And guess what, guys? It's the 10th episode. Oh my God. Can you believe it? Oh, Jesus. It feels like the 30th. I know. <laughs> I'm like, can you believe it? Yes, I can. We've, I can believe it, We've actually. been here a long time. Mm, so many hours. So many hours. Today, we're going to talk about the grudge. The but, grudge. But we're going to talk about the new grudge mm-hmm. and the old grudge. And we're going to talk a little bit about Juan. Juan, Juan. Which is the original Japanese version of the grudge yes but first christine has a story it's not so i mean it's kind of a horror story for me i mean yeah so for christmas i got chase and i hockey tickets to go up to watch the vancouver canucks play our chicago blackhawks we are big fans of the blackhawks and i noticed they were playing up in vancouver on january 2nd i decided that we would take the train from washington all the way up to Vancouver because I heard it's just an absolutely beautiful train ride. It is. It follows the water for like 50% of the ride. And tickets were actually very affordable. They were like 30, 40 bucks mm-hmm. up and 30, 40 bucks back. Yeah. And somebody told me that I should look into upgrading to business class because it's usually only about $20 a ticket and it's worth it. Mm-hmm. But if it's over $20, don't do it. So I call Amtrak and I'm like, hey, how much would it be for me to upgrade my coach seats to business class? And they're like, $96. And I'm like, fuck you. Oh, God. Not going to do that. No, thanks. And they were like, oh, so you don't want to upgrade anymore? And I said, no, thank you. And they said, okay, now have a nice day. Hung up the phone. Nothing was said after that. Give Chase the tickets for Christmas. Yay, we're so excited. It's next week. Julie's going to house sit for us. Hooray. Yay. We get on the train. We go down to the station. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. We get on the train. We find our seats. I mean, it's basically first come, first serve seating in coach. Mm -hmm. But they're fine seats there's no like bad seats unless you get on a car with a baby right we get our seats we're at the side where it's gonna follow the water i'm stupid excited i have my ticket and we start going and the conductor comes around with a little hat on and so cute he's like (laughs) he's like here let me take your ticket and i'm like here it is you know paper printed out and everything i fucking printed off a, a ticket you know so i would have something physical to give chase for christmas like here we're going on the train too they scan it and it goes eh. oh and i'm like what and they're like looks like you're not on this train and i was like <laughs> oh well well i am on this train and we're fucking moving like yeah. i can't just get off the train you, you're gonna I, throw me off i took a lift <laughs> i took a lift to get to the station Ugh. and i'm like they're like but i was like but 
my ticket. It says it's the day. This is the train. And they're like, yeah, but you're not in our system. I don't understand. They're like, call Amtrak. We're not going to kick you off the train. I had visions of them like, like getting up you. to the border and being like throwing you like off. 300 kicking me out of the train. Like, get out of here. <laughs> this is Amtrak. <laughs> I'm like freaky those of you those of you who know me i know there are quite a few of you that actually know me in real life that listen to this podcast i get anxiety mm-hmm. super fast yes you do and so i like started sweating while i'm you know dialing amtrak and they're like trying to keep me calm did you have to poop i did not okay good. um i did not get the poop uh, this was maybe poop sweats um but <laughs> And so I'm on the phone with Amtrak, which you have to bypass all of their, their bullshit. automatic oh bullshit. God. I finally get to talk to somebody and I'm like, they say I'm not on this train, but I have my emails. I have this ticket. And they're like, oh yeah, it looks like there's an unpaid balance of $96 on your account. The fuck? And I was like, um, well, that's not right because I only called to inquire yeah. about upgrading to business class. Yeah. They were like, oh, well, this person just saved it as an unpaid balance. I was like, okay, here's the thing. Well, First of all, you should have called me and been like, hey, your trip is coming up. Or like sent me an email at the very something. least. Like, hey, yeah. you've got an unpaid balance. That way I could have figured right. this out beforehand. Right. So fuck you, Amtrak. And they were like, oh, well, would you like to upgrade for just $20 each? And I was like, that's what I wanted to do in the first place. So yeah, that'd be great. So they're like, okay, well, the card we have on file is yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, yep, that's that's my card. And they're like, is it okay if we just charge this card, the $40? And I was like, yeah, go ahead. So they do it. They reissue me the ticket, wish me a happy day. I'm like, yep, okay, this is going to be great. And I hang up and I show the conductor my ticket. And he's like, okay, uh, yeah, you're on our train now. You want to move up to business class? And something like my gut uh-huh. was like... Go check it out first. Yeah. Just a second. And I told Chase to stay. I was like, just stay here. I'm going to go check it out. You know, go save our seats and then, you know, see what's going on. Because I just had this weird feeling. And so I go up to business class. And it's no different than coach. Mm -hmm. No different. Yeah. Maybe it's a little quieter. Yeah. Of a car? Mm -hmm. Zero difference. Not to mention there were no two seats together. And I was like asking around. I'm like, hey, are you guys with this party? Like, I'm trying to move up here with my boyfriend. We want to sit next to each other. And and everybody's looking at me like I'm a fucking leper. Like they (laughs) didn't pay 20 extra dollars. Like they paid 2,000 extra dollars. God. It's like, (laughs) fuck you. I go back to the conductor and I'm like, I'm not sitting on that car. Yeah. I'm like, that's not worth $20 extra. And he goes, well, you're going to have to call Amtrak back to get a refund. And I'm like, oh, fuck. So I go up to Chase and he's reading his book. He's having a wonderful time. And I'm like, well, I'm going to call Amtrak because there's no two seats together and I want to sit by you and I want to have this experience with you. Like I've never been on a train before besides when I was like five years old. Mm -hmm. I was like, I want to have this experience with you. I was on the phone for over an hour. Oh my God. God. I got disconnected three times because the service is super spotty on the water. Right. I was getting disconnected and then it was saying they were calling me back, but my phone wasn't ringing. It was just showing I had a missed call. Oh my God. And they kept referring to, they're like, okay, you need to ask the conductor to issue you a refund. But what they meant was to re, to issue me a coach ticket. Yeah. I was having a hard time not crying because that's how my anxiety gets me. I like wanted to cry really bad. Then I wanted to yell. Mm-hmm. And I was on the phone for over an hour 
And finally, when the third person was like, you're going to have to have the conductor issue you a refund. And the conductor was like, I have, do not have that power. Right. I was like, you know what? I'm going to deal with this when we get to Canada and we're in our hotel room where I can sit and not worry about missing everything. I missed like half of the ride because I was on the phone. And so I hung up and Chase is reading his book and I was like, I'll get it figured out later. But I wasn't just going to let 40 bucks like go so I could sit in coach. Fuck that. But let me reiterate, coach is the exact exact same. There's no difference. The seat is a different color, I think. Yeah. But it's the same. Anyways, and it was much nicer than an airplane. You had a roomier seat. The oh, yeah. tray table in front of you was bigger. I actually liked liked the train ride that mm-hmm. we had. But anyways, so we get up to Canada. Our hotel's a 20-minute walk away from the Amtrak station. We walk our 20 minutes. They get us into the room early. Check-in was at 3. We got there at like 1. Nice. And they got us into our room, and Chase is watching... TV and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna call them and get my oh, refund fuck. back. I was on the phone for another 45 oh my minutes. God, 45 minutes for them to tell me that my refund would be issued in four to five weeks. Come on, Amtrak. And if it wasn't issued in six weeks, here's your case number. Oh my! I was God. like, for forty dollars? You're fucking kidding me. Oh Jesus. So. I enjoyed the train ride, but I don't think we'll do it again because that was way too many hoops to jump through for something that didn't need to happen in the first place. You know what's funny? I used to date a guy who lived down in Vancouver, Washington. He worked for Amtrak? No. (laughs) No. He he lived down in Vancouver, Washington, which is down near the border of Washington and Oregon. At the time, I didn't have a car. I was living at my parents' house. It was a rough time, okay? We all go through those times. He was obviously very much a rebound boyfriend. And... Ain't nothing wrong with that. You know what? Ain't nothing wrong with that. And so for a while, I was taking the train from Mukilteo or from Seattle, because actually I don't think the Mukilteo train was a thing then, from Seattle King Street Station to Vancouver, Washington, which is like a pretty decent train ride. I mean, it's a train ride. But I got very acquainted with how trains worked, mm-hmm. you know? Sure, it's a pretty cheap way to travel. Yeah. You know, it's not uncomfortable, but you're right. They're really, it's not like in airplanes where there is a very distinct difference between business class and coach or yeah. first class and business class and coach. Like, they're basically the same thing. Sometimes they come with like different amenities, drink amenities or plugs or whatever. But I'm pretty sure with Amtrak now, it's literally the exact same. It's the exact yeah. same thing. And I'm sorry, 40 fucking dollars. It's going to take you four to five weeks. I could understand maybe if it was like a decent amount of money, like yeah. 100, 200 bucks, $40. It took them seconds to run my card. And it's oh, going to yeah. take four to five weeks for me to get it back. Oh, yeah. Isn't that always how it works, though, sometimes? It's just like, they, they'll take your money in a heartbeat, but giving it back yeah. is going to take forever. You're going to have to wait. And then you may or may not actually get it. You might have to use your Here's case your number. case number. Fucking case number. I don't even know where it is. Oh, my God. Well, hopefully someday you'll just, like, wake up and look at your account and be like, oh, there's $40 in there. I, I actually checked it before we started recording. It's not there yet. And it's been two weeks. Amtrak, you better get your shit together. Yeah. You know? Hashtag Amtrak. Hashtag Amtrak sucks. Yeah. <laughs> not sponsored. No. So but if you do want to sponsor us, our email is... 
Best Friends Horror Story Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk about the grudge. <laughs> that hand the, in the shower. The hand in the shower. The creepy noise. The, uh, uh, I hate it. I hate it. That noise makes me want to die. Stop. <laughs> I don't like it. I'm going to be listening to this, editing it, and I'm going to be like, fucking Christine, stop. Because then if I like stop listening to it and then the noise still happens, I'm going to stop. Stop. <laughs> See, now she's coughing. <laughs> Serves you right. So, um, noise making bitch. We'll start with the original. Juan. Juan. So, I watched I... it with my hot chocolate and my homemade marshmallow. Oh, you're so stupid. <laughs> I'm not stupid. Oh my gosh. Was Freya there? Was she there? Of course was she... she was. She was in her, bla- her nest her blanket. Nest. Blankets. She loves to make nests and it's adorable. <laughs> She's just like, I'm going to live in my nest. It's really yeah. cute. I do too, though. So <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love a blanket nest? Right? This movie was actually directed by a man by the name of Takashi Shimizu. And he actually directed Juan and he directed the American version of The Grudge. Which uh, is pretty cool to have the same Japanese director direct the mm-hmm. American version. I think that's probably why the 2004 one is as good as it is. It's yeah. because it's the same guy. Honestly, the DVD menu for Juan makes you not even want to watch them. So that's... Okay, so you said that, mm-hmm. and I thought you meant the beginning credits. Oh, yeah. And I was watching it, and I was like, well, this isn't so bad. No, like, the menu, if you watch it on DVD, which I have it on DVD somewhere. Uh, oh, and the menu makes you not even want to watch the movie. Like, you're just watching... Like, it's happening, and you're like, I don't want to watch this. Have you ever watched DVD menus when you're fucking high? Yes. And you're like... Oh, like even just like the most vanilla mm-hmm. of DVD menus when you're high, you're just like, oh. I don't like this. <gasps> like the, the DVD menu for the ring. So this is funny. People were just now figuring this out. This was like a huge deal. I don't remember if it was on Reddit or what it was, but people didn't know that there is a secret button on the ring DVD menu that if you hit it, it plays the video. Fuck that noise. And also, if you let the menu go long enough, it will play the video. I didn't know that when I first got the DVD and I just left it on there because I went to go do something and I came back and the fucking video was playing and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Oh, jeez. (laughs) Like, uh, but people were freaking out about it because they didn't know. And I was like, y'all are late to this party. Oh. Y'all need to... Y'all need Jesus. Y'all need Yes. (laughs) So... Juan is really creepy. I think it's a really great movie. I think it was as creepy as I expected it to be, but I have some questions. I actually asked you one of the questions when I walked in and I was Mm -hmm. taking my shoes off. I was like, why is the little boy and the girl painted white, but the husband that killed them is regular color? I think maybe because the ghosts... They were um, killed in the malevolence? Yeah, I think that, that because they're like the ghosts, the main ghosts, and they're kind of the products or the victims of the curse. Yeah. So that they are kind of stand out in that way. Plus, they're just fucking creepy looking. And I didn't like that when they were white, they tried to put blood splatter on them at some points and it just turned pink. Because mm-hmm. yeah. um, you learn that as a young age that white and red makes pink. Yeah. So, I mean, it was 2004. We've gotten a lot better right. with our special effects. Right. But I was watching it and I was like, fake. <laughs> fake. Myth. Fake news. Um, Takashi uh, Shimizu actually also directed The Grudge 2, which I actually 
like quite a bit. And then he also directed um, Tomie Rebirth, which Tomie is based off, I mean, it is, it's a manga that's written by one of my favorite manga writers and illustrators, Gen, uh, Genji Ito. Really, actually, great, great manga. For Juon, I couldn't quite place if I liked it or not, mainly because they they kept coming up with different people's stories. Yes, and that's how both of these movies, The Grudge and The Grudge 2004 and The Grudge 2020, that's kind of how they do it, is they follow different storylines for different people. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to follow, especially if you're watching Juon, because it is in Japanese, so you're like... Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> Where are these people? Yeah. Um, you have to follow subtitles yes, as well. Yes, you do. So Which I watched Train to Busan while uh, I was on the train coming mm-hmm. home from oh, Canada. Oh, great. Good idea. And it was fucking rad. I love that movie, though. I loved it. Did you Cha- see they're making a sequel? I did. Chase and I wanted to watch it because we were on a train and right. we're like, hey. We're gonna watch the Trade of Busan. Zombies! Yeah. We, fun fact, we got it at the dollar store. Oh, you did? Yeah, Trade of mm-hmm. Busan was at the dollar store. Wow. On Divide. On Divide. I'm gonna go over the original grudge. Uh, I'm gonna punch you. <laughs> and then Christine's gonna go over the new one, the 2021, which we did see together. If you, yeah, if you yeah. follow us on Instagram, you saw our Instagram story. Yeah, doing we were, some research. Doing some research. The grudge describes a curse that is born when someone dies in the grip of extreme rage or sorrow. And the curse is an entity that is created when the person dies. And all of those who encounter this force will die by the hand of this entity. And the curse will be reborn repeatedly, passing from victim to victim in like an endless growing chain of... The events are explained that I'm going to be going through them. They're explained in the actual order of which they happened. The film is very non-linear though in the way that it presents this. So I'm going to be talking about it in the actual order that they happened, not in the non-linear way that they're presented in the movie. So maybe it'll make a little bit more sense. There is a woman, her name is Kayako Seiki, and oh, Kayako. she is a housewife and she lives in Tuburban. Tuburban. Wow. <laughs> I really am having You're a having time. time. <laughs> she lives in suburban Tokyo and she's in love with her college professor. His name is Peter Kirk. And she has a diary that she writes obsessively about Dear diary, Peter <laughs> I, Kirk was so I cute love today. Peter. And she, like, shows Kayako up. Kirk. And she, like, shows up in all of these pictures of him with, like, his wife. She's, like, in the background. And it's super creepy. Her husband, Taiko, finds the diary and he gets very, very jealous. And he believes that Kayako's having an affair. And so he murders her, like, very brutally. I think he breaks her neck. Yeah, that's why she makes that. And that's uh, why she makes that noise, is because she has her neck broken. And then he kills their son, Toshio, and they have a pet cat named Mar, and he kills them all. Oh. Um, Then uh, Taiko hides the body in the attic Mm -hmm. of the house, and then Toshio's ghost actually kills him. Yeah. He hangs him. Get him. Good for Toshio. Anytime I hear Toshio, I just think of, like, anime. Toshio! I know, right? So then, and that's Peter, not me appropriating a culture. No. That's legit how it sounds. Yes. <laughs> After receiving a letter from Kayako, Peter goes to the house and he finds 
her and the corpse along with Toshio's ghost. He like shows up and at one point you see him and he's like standing behind him and he meows. That's his oh. thing. Oh yeah. He meows. Yeah, he like meows. And, and his mouth opens so Oh wide. god, I hate it. I hate it so <laughs> it creeps me out. I don't like it. So he like freaks the fuck out and he runs away and then the next day he kills himself. He's like, his wife like wakes up and she's like, oh, uh, what's going on? And he falls over the ledge onto the street below. And she's like, oh, fuck. The remainder of the family, essentially they like rise again because of the ghosts due to the curse. And she appears as something called um, an I can't, I don't know how to pronounce this. Does it say how to? It's like an onryo, I think. Maybe, I'm really sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. You can message us and tell us how to pronounce it. It literally translates to a vengeful spirit or a wrathful spirit. And she returns as one of those. And it's, she's very creepy. (laughs) So then the next family it follows is the Williams family. A few years later, the Williams family, they come from America and they move into this house that Kayako lived in. And Matt is one of the guys, I didn't go through the people who are in this movie, but I'll go through it later. He's like super thrilled with the house. His wife and his uh, dementia ridden mother (laughs) are there and they both are just not okay with it. You can tell his wife is very out of place. She doesn't really want to live in Japan, you know, but it's like her husband got a new job and she feels kind of, as a wife, you feel kind of obligated. Whatever, go and explore Japan, bitch. Right? I mean, Japan's pretty cool. I've never been there, but I know people who have. And I mean, it looks like a really cool. I've never been there personally, but... But I know people who have, (laughs) and it looks like a cool place. (laughs) So they're really uncomfortable in the house. Of course, Matt and Jennifer are very quickly consumed by the curse. And then Yoko, she's a care worker, and she shows up at the house and she finds Emma, like, completely alone. And then Kayako drags her into the attic. You're like, oh, fuck. Coming with me. Okay. So then Yoko's disappeared and her employer, Alex, sends Karen Davis to take care of Emma. Karen discovers Toshio sealed up in a wardrobe and she later sees Kayako's spirit, like, coming down from the ceiling to get Emma. And it's very creepy. Alex arrives at the house shortly after, but he finds Emma dead and Kara's like in the corner in a state of shock. Alex calls the police uh, and then this detective, Detective Nakagawa, shows up. In the attic, he find, he and his partner find Matt and Jennifer's bodies and they also far, find part of a human's lower jaw. Oh, just sitting on the floor. Yeah. yeah. Hanging out. So then Matt's sister, Susan, who also lives in Tokyo, she gets, Kayako like chases her out of the office building. And then when she gets home, Kayako like shows up in her bed and they both vanish. Yeah. It's creepy. Yeah. And then um, when Alex is leaving work, Yoko's jawless corpse, apparently it was her jaw, uh, she kills him. And you're like, oh, fuck. Okay. Kayako essentially begins haunting Karen. And Karen is played by Sarah Sarah Michelle Gellar. Scooby-Doo, what's up? Yeah, Cruel Intentions, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I mean, she's very... A few other things. Yeah. Kayako essentially begins haunting Karen after she goes in the house because that's what has to happen is you have to go in the house 
Or apparently you have to come in contact with somebody who's not in the house. Yeah. Karen... The rules are blurred. Yeah. Karen basically tells her boyfriend, Doug, about it. And that's why they're in Japan is her boyfriend is going to school there. And she essentially is like trying to become a nurse caregiver of some sort. Karen researches the house and she eventually confronts Detective Nakagawa. And he explains that three of his colleagues were investigating the death, the original deaths in the house. And they were all consumed by the curse. And then that night, Nakagawa's like, I'm going to go burn down this house. But he gets killed by Taiko, who was the husband. After learning that Doug has gone into the house to look for her, Karen, like, runs there, and she finds Doug, and he's, like, paralyzed, and she tries to get him to run away. Kayako crawls down the stairs like a fucking creeper. Ugh, yeah. I hate that scene. And she, like, latches onto Doug, and then he dies. More twitchy. Yeah, all the twitchiness. Um, but here's the thing. Something that I noticed about Juon and this Grudge mm-hmm. movie, people's legs apparently don't work yeah. uh, when they see something scary, yeah. and you're like, get up and run. She's run! taken two minutes to get down these <laughs> right. stairs doing right. her little twitchy dance. Get on your legs and, and run. Run. <laughs> run away! Oh, my God. So then, I was getting so anxious watching Juon. I'm like, like, please move. Just get up. Right. Save, your, save, save yourself! yourself. <laughs> Kayako, like, closes into her, and then she, like, lights the gasoline. Karen survives, and they put her in a hospital. She learns, unfortunately, that the house did not burn to the ground. Uh, it survived the fire. When she visits Doug's body, Karen realizes that Kayako is still haunting her. Still just... People in this movie, sorry, I didn't mention that. Sarah Michelle Gellar plays Karen. Obviously, we said what she was in. John Bear plays Doug. He was in this really awful movie called The Tattooist. <laughs> um, he was also in Roswell and Dawson's Creek. Bill Pullman uh, oh, yeah. plays up, Bill Pullman? Peter, and he was in, Peter honestly, Kirk. yes, Independence Day, Spaceballs, Lost Highway, some really good movies. William Mapather plays Matthew, and he was in Lost and The Mentalist. Clea Duvall plays Jennifer, his wife, and she was in The Faculty and Girl Interrupted. She's actually been in a lot. Girl Interrupted. Fucking great I movie. love that movie. Oh my god. And then Katie Strickland, she plays Susan, which is Matthew's sister, and she was in Anacondas. And my Anaconda Dope. And Fever Pitch. <laughs> that oh, movie. Fever Pitch. That movie with Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore and, and fucking Jimmy. Jimmy Fallon. Oh my uh, god. Remember that? No. I'd Last rather not. Past. Rather not. So I really like this movie. I mean, it's a classic. I uh, I remember seeing it in the theater with one of too. my high school friends, uh-huh. and she and I realized what we were the only ones there without we we were the only ones there without a date, and so we had <laughs> nobody to be like, oh no, and so we pretended to like be each other's lesbian person, and we're like, that's okay, people can think we're lesbians. Oh my god, I did see this movie in theaters. I do remember that, and. I remember being super creeped out by it. And I still am to this day. It still creeps me out. I really like this movie. It's kind of one of those just classic early 2000s, like The Ring and horror movies. Yeah, very classic. You know, it was the big... The big boom of turning all these Japanese Asian horror films from taking them from their original Asian versions, turning them into the Americanized versions. And, you know, they've tried to do it with a couple other movies and it really hasn't worked, but I think that... This and The Ring were probably the best. You know, they did it with Pulse and Shudder. And Shudder's pretty good. I don't hate that movie. Mm. I actually kind of enjoy that movie. Pulse, I think that these were the two big ones. These were the two heavy hitters for that whole, we're going to take Asian horror films and bring them to American audiences. Yeah. So, yeah. So, 2020 Grudge. 2020 Grudge. We, it came out on January 3rd. We saw it on the 5th. We did. Because we knew we wanted to do this as one of our episodes. And so, yes, let's get into it. The Grudge 2020. Directed by Nicholas 
is it Pesci? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he directed Piercing in 2018 and The Eyes of My Mother in 2016. I'm not. Me neither. I don't know. Those were the only two yeah. things that he's directed, yeah. really. Stars Andrea Riseborough. She plays Detective Maloon. I like how they didn't give her a first Oh, yeah. Her name's just Detective. Detective. What is, what, what's your mother's name? Detective. Detective. She played Laura in Birdman and Mandy Bloom in Mandy. She did. I was sitting there for the longest time trying to figure out what the fuck she was in. Yes, yes, and then yes. I was like, ah, she was Mandy. Yeah. <laughs> Damien, how do you say his last Damien name? Damien Bichir. He played Detective Goodman. He was Bob in The Hateful Eight, which I knew. Yes. And Father Burke in The Nun. And Lowriders. Uh, and Lowrider. <laughs> Lynn Shay plays Faith Matheson. And Matheson is such, like, so burned into my head now after watching that because Mrs. Matheson. Uh, that lady is so weird. Mrs. Matheson. She's, like, trying to be Zelda Rubenstein from Poltergeist with yeah. her creepy voice. I'm like, why are you talking like that? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. She was Elise in Insidious and Magda in There's Something About Mary. She was also in Ouija. Oh, yeah, she was in Ouija yeah. as well. John Cho plays Peter Spencer. He was Harold in Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle. Betty Gilpin plays Nina Spencer. She was Debbie in Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Oh, Glow. Fucking love Glow. It's a great show. And then Junko Bailey plays Kayako, the Kayako ghost. Her literal only credit... Junko Bailey is Japanese woman in Category 6, Day of Destruction, that was in 2004. So she took a 16-year hiatus from the movies. Only to come back. Only to come back as Kayako. And you don't even see her face. No! So, fuck. (laughs) Wow. Okay. All right, so we start out with the Landers family. I think this is actually the same way. I think this is this is the actual order, not the order that they appear in the film. Yeah, so. no, but we're just going to give you the backstory. Mm-hmm. The Landers family, in 2004, a live-in nurse, Fiona Landers, leaves a house in Tokyo, disturbed by events she's witnessed inside. She informs her co-worker, Yoko, that she is returning to America before encountering the ghost of Kayako. Very brief. It's super brief because she's like standing outside the house and there's all this garbage around and then there's like somebody in the garbage like in the actual bag yeah and then it grabs her and she's like "Ah," and runs away yeah uh she arrives to her phone her phone (laughs) huh see now that i have to talk and i have a slightly runny nose i'm sorry anyways fiona arrives at her home home (laughs) on 44 raybird drive in a small town in pennsylvania she reunites with her husband sam and their daughter melinda and it's like oh my god mommy's home kayako's curse however possesses it possesses i cannot get through this day lord help me give us strength (laughs) kayako possesses fiona causing her to kill Sam and she drowns Melinda to death before committing suicide by stabbing herself in her throat. Gross. Yeah. Detectives Goodman and Wilson investigate. Now I have to talk. Hang on a second. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Investigate the murders. Unsettled by the house, Goodman refuses to enter it while Wilson enters to scope out the scene. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this I did not like at all i'm a detective and i'm not going in the house because i don't feel right right 
Really? Like, what detective is going to get away with that? Right, exactly. If if you know anything about law enforcement, which I do, if a detective was like, I'm not going in that house, his superior would be like, then you're not going to have a job. You're not <laughs> like, going to get paid. You need to go in that house. Like, yeah. you can't just be like, I'm not going in there. Yeah. So. Stupid. Goodman refuses to enter. Wilson enters and scopes out the scene. And then upon exiting, Wilson starts to slowly lose his mind and eventually becomes hysterical when he spots Fiona's ghost outside Goodman's car after he attempts to commit suicide by shooting himself, but he's unsuccessful. Like arse face in Preacher. Yeah, he fucks up his face hardcore. Yeah. he It leaves him disfigured and he's committed to a psychiatric asylum while Goodman stops looking into the case. Mm. Then we get to the Spencers, which is John Cho. John Cho and Debbie. Debbie. She's Betty Gilpin. She plays Debbie and Glow. Yeah. Shortly after the Landers are murdered, but before anyone discovers their deaths, the real estate agent Peter and Nina Spencer learn that their unborn child will most likely be born with a rare genetic disorder, ALD, and it totally distresses them yeah. because they want a healthy child. Obviously. And it's just they. And. I guess one thing about that that I guess kind of, I don't know, maybe irritated me a little bit was the doctor's like, they're going to have ALD. Okay, nobody knows what that is unless you know what it is. Yeah. And it's like, if you don't know what it is, then it, oh, that's a long word. That is, hang on, I'm going to try it for you. Adrenocodystrophy. Adrenoleucodystrophy, I think yep. is what it is. Yeah. It's a disease linked to the X chromosome and it's a result of fatty acid buildup caused by the relevant enzyme not functioning properly, which causes damage to the myelin sheath of the nerve, resulting in seizures and hyperactivity. That sounds like not it something. It sound bad. I mean, it sounds bad, but it doesn't sound like your baby will be born without a skull. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they chose something like that, that's random. Yeah. It was really random. And I'm like, okay, what is that? Because actually, after the movie ended, I went on Google and was like, what is ALP? Yeah. 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 Um, Peter goes to look into selling 44 Rayburn Drive, stumbles across the little girl Melinda's ghost, presumes her to be a lost girl who's bleeding profusely from her nose. And while on the phone with Peter, Nina agrees that they should keep their unborn child. She actually is like, I never wanted to be a mother, but I love this baby. And he's like, it warms my heart to hear you say that, dear. Thank you for not killing our child. Yeah. Because doctors do give you the option if you have a, you know, your baby is going to be born, you know, not normal for you to terminate the pregnancy. And as shocking as that would be to most people, some people do go through with it. Peter is attacked by Fiona and Melinda's ghosts before fleeing the house and is quickly corrupted by the curse quickly corrupted Very by the curse quickly. peter returns to his home where he kills nina and their unborn child before he is drowned in the bathtub that whole scene with him like going to the house and the little girl being there that has the only part in the movie that actually creeped me out yeah yeah which part when he hears a knock on the door and he goes and he looks in the people and the girl kayakos or, or whoever yeah, yeah, yeah. is standing out there with the hair in front of her face i was like Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's like mine was when he, I forget if he's on the phone or if that's when he's at the door, when the little girl's covering her mouth and she's like vomiting blood everywhere all over her hand. Oh yeah. No, that's when he's at the door. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, what's the point of that? What is, why is that happening? Anyways. On to the Mathisons. Uh, (laughs) 
what? The voice. The Mathesons. Oh my god, that lady was weird. Yeah. In 2005, elderly couple Faith and William Matheson move into the house. Faith suffers from dementia and a terminal illness. After moving in, Faith is infected by the curse and starts to see Melinda around the house. Her sanity rapidly declines, calling causing William to call over Lorna, Lorna. Moody. Oh, the one Lorna. Who, I'm here for the Assisted suicide consultant. She was actually um, wanted by the FBI because she helped so many people commit suicide. She says that they need to be in their right state of mind to actually do the assisted suicide thing. Mm -hmm. She actually does her little assessment of Faith and she's like, you know what? She's not in her sound mind. I can't do this, but I can stay with you guys and help out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Disturbed, Lorna suggests to William that they leave the house, but William reveals that he's aware of the ghosts that she's seeing Mm -hmm. and suggests that it implies a future where people get to be with their loved ones after death. And then Lorna later discovers that Faith has killed William, and has sliced off her own fingers. Yeah, that part was That was yuck. Because Faith realized, she's like, he wanted to kill, he wanted to kill me. Yeah. He wanted me to have, to have me killed. Lorna flees in horror only to be attacked by Sam's ghost in her car, which crashes, killing her. And it shows when she crashes, her fucking arm Arm bone just breaks and goes through the skin. And yuck. In 2006, a rookie detective Muldoon moves to town where her son Burke, which I actually like for the name of a kid, mm-hmm. Burke. Hey, Burke! Let me test it out. Burke, what are you doing? Burke, get out of there. Okay, I like it. Followed yeah. her husband's death from cancer, which was kind of weird to me because it they kind of made it seem like it was her dad. Really? Yeah, and I got the feeling that it was like her dad. Oh, anyways, mm-hmm. Muldoon and Goodman are called into the wood where, wood, the wood, the the wood, wood. (laughs) into the wood, um, where Lorna's corpse has been discovered. Goodman becomes uncomfortable when they learn that Lorna had been visiting 44 Raybon Drive. Noticing this, Muldoon questions him and he reveals his suspicion that the house is cursed and he states that he wants nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. Muldoon goes to the house, discovering a disoriented Faith and William's corpse. That is what you see in In, all of the trailers. Is she's like, will you feed me? Uh, My William always uh, fed me. And she like put her fingers in her mouth. uh, It's gross. gross. Yeah. Faith is taken to the hospital where she sees Melinda and just throws herself off the balcony. Oh yeah, and she hits a whole bunch of shit on the way down. Just, (sighs) you know, that old saying where they fell out of the ugly tree and hit the branch every oh, branch on the way she down hits all the things she hit all the branches on the way down yeah. as Muldoon continues her research into the case she's haunted by the ghosts of the landers she visits William in the asylum and who tells her that all the people who enter the house become victims of the curse and then William fucking gouges his eyes out so yeah. he can stop seeing the ghosts but then he's like I can still feel them watching me I can still And I'm like, well, you gouged out your eyes for nothing. Yeah. Fearful that the curse may hurt her son, Burke, Muldoon confides to Goodman that she learns the curse began with a family in Japan. Fiona's the one who brought it abroad after she attacked... After that, she's attacked by the Landers ghosts again. Muldoon goes to the house and douses it with gasoline, and she sees visions of how Fiona murdered her family. She's tricked into seeing Burke, which I knew was a trick, because she told him to stay in the car, and Burke 
is a good boy, and I knew he wouldn't come after her. Well, and she says, you know, what do we do when we're scared? What do we do when we're scared? And So this is a thing at the beginning of the movie where you're like, this is going to come back later. And she's like, what do we do when we're scared? And he says, close your eyes and count, and count to, to ten. Yeah. And she's, she's like, that's right. And so she kind of is quizzing the ghost. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what do we do? He says, I'm scared. And she says, well, what do we do when we're scared, Burke? And he just stares at her. And yeah. she's like, you're not my son. And then she lights the place on and fire. And she lights that bitch on fire. And the house burns to the ground. And she embraces her real son mm-hmm. who didn't get out of the car because he's a good son. Yeah. Burke. A little while later, Muldoon hugs Burke before he leaves for school and she's like I love you so much and then she hears him behind her saying okay mom I'm going to school goodbye and then she leans back and the burr she's hugging is revealed to be Melinda and she's dragged away by Fiona's ghost therefore becoming a victim of the curse credits roll over a silent shot of Muldoon's new home the same home where the Spencers died, mm-hmm. and now the new extension of the curse. So, I didn't realize that it was the Spencers' house. I did. Well, that's nice for you. There's actually an international ending, apparently, that's different than this. So after Muldoon burns the house to the ground, she sees Burke watching. And then later, the pair are driving on a road toward their new house. And as they pull into the driveway, the house formerly owned by the Spencers, and they enter, and then the credits begin rolling kind of thing. So mm-hmm. there's two different endings. This movie was awful. <laughs> so every time I knew so- there was going to be a jump scare, I don't know if you noticed this, I put my hands up to my ears <laughs> because I knew it was going to be like a loud, and loud. And, and yeah. I'm like, I'm not about to do this. And so I would put my fingers up by my ears yeah. just so I couldn't, I was like, I don't need to hear the big loud. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, this, I hated this. This was awful. Like my, my husband Hates everything. No, that's not true. He doesn't hate everything. Um, But he has very high standards for things. As do I. I don't know if they're high standards. I think they're his standards. They're his standards. <laughs> he, when this movie was done, he stood up and he goes, that was the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> and I was Very like, loud for Very loud hear. for the entire theater to hear. <laughs> but I mean, I it just, it was bad. It was just bad. It, it wasn't good. It, I, <sighs> I had higher hopes for it because... The one amazing scene. Of course they put it was in the trailer. what they put in the trailer. Yeah. And they made it seem like the hair was going to be a way bigger deal. You know, of course, all of the, well, not all of them. Most of these creepy girls in these Japanese movies have this long black hair that either hangs in front of their face or obscures their face in some way. And so they make it seem like the hair is going to be a big deal. Yeah. It was not. It was not a big deal. And the one thing about this movie that pissed me off more than anything, which I don't know why, but it just did. The ghosts in Juan and the Grudge have a reason to make the sound, the uh sound. It, it has, there's a reason behind it. It's yeah, because her neck is broken. Her neck is broken. The ghosts of whatever her name is, Linda or whatever the fuck her name is. What is it? Fiona? Fiona, yeah. She makes that noise. Her You're neck's like, not broken. Well, she she sliced her neck. But still, if you slice your neck, if you slice through your vocal cords, you can't make any noise. Yeah, it'll just sound like... So I, I don't understand why she was still making that noise other than for them to be like, look, we somehow connected it to this movie. The other thing that I noticed, which irritated me, was... <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's how I feel about this movie. Okay, that's it. <laughs> was that's all I got. Burp. <laughs> was the fact that they claim that this is how the curse got to America. 
Are we pretending like the second grudge doesn't exist? Because in that movie, the grudge came to America. The curse came. We're gonna pretend like that and the third movie don't exist? I mean, it just, it's, it's weird. It felt like everything was just very ham-fisted. It was shoehorned in there. They were like, how many times can we make a jump scare? Like, how is this gonna be scary? Creepy little girls with their noses bleeding are scary, right? They it, didn't even do any of the, like, crawling down the no. stairs. I was expecting, like, a contortionist. Right. Or somebody doing a backbend, running really fast. Fucking, that just creeps me out. I know. But no, we didn't even get that. I mean, there... Didn't even get one backbend. Nope, no backbends. There was that one scene that actually creeped me out, which was the doorbell rings and John Cho's character goes and he looks out the people and all you see is black hair in front of a face, which my initial reaction would be like, oh, fuck that. But he opens the door. And one of the famous scenes that they have in all three of the movies is the hand in the shower. Yeah. It's the least scary in the first one. Mm-hmm. It's the most scary in the second one. Yeah. And it's uh, not so scary in the third one. Yeah. It's the where the hand like comes out from the back of their head yeah. while they're showering. Like Sarah Michelle Geller is like washing her hair and then this hand like crawls out of the back of her hair and she's like, ah! and it's like, hey, I just want to hold your hand. <laughs> like it's it's I'm, creepy. I'm scared. Let me hold your hand. And that was the other thing. Like I watched the second one the other day. The a couple different storylines happening, which is kind of a theme in all of these movies. And there's one scene where one of the girls that's there are these three girls and they all go to like some Catholic school together or whatever. And oh, yeah. and the two girls are like bullies and they make the other girl go in the house and it really freaks her out. And that's eventually how the curse comes to this apartment building in the US. Mm-hmm. One of the bullies is like taking a shower. She looks down and there's all this black hair all over the floor. And I'm like, oh, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not okay. I don't like it. I would say this movie is not one to see in theaters. Oh, yeah, wait, just wait. Wait until it comes out on streaming or it comes out on, you know, Redbox or whatever. The dollar store. Yeah, the $5.99 bin at Walmart. Like, Mm. it's just a, it's a bad movie. There's certain horror movie directors that go into horror with no real credentials before that. And they just do such a good job. Like Ari Aster or James Wan or Leigh Whannell. They just go into these horror movies and they just know the formula. They know how it works they know what makes people scared and then there's people that just don't get it they try and make these movies that are scary in an attempt to make a scary movie they completely and totally shove everything in your face and you're like okay i get it like i I know how to watch a horror movie i don't need you to like hand feed me everything and i think that the reason that the original was so scary at least as far as the american version goes is you have that sense of displacement where you have an american In Japan, you don't know the language, you don't know the streets, you don't know anything. It's this very isolating sense of displacement. And I think that's part of what makes it creepy. You don't have that in this movie because it's all in the US and you have characters that you don't really give a shit about, even though they try really hard to make you give a shit about them. I didn't care. I didn't care that her husband died of cancer. I didn't care that she was, you know, like a detective and she's just trying to work with this old gruff detective who probably should retire. Like, I didn't care. Get to the point. I get it. I get that you guys are trying to make this scary, but it's not. And then they do this thing where they take all the sound out, like they didn't want to use music 
a lot yeah. in this. And it was like them like, we're trying to build tension. Do you feel the tension yet? And I'm like, no. Yeah, I feel it between my ears. Yeah. I'm plugging them. I don't, I don't feel the tension. The fact that you're not using music actually makes this boring. Music is a great medium in horror movies to make you scared. It gives you that sense of foreboding. When it's just silent, sure, it can be effective in some ways, but in this movie, I was just like, did they forget to put the soundtrack in? <laughs> like, what's going on? So, we were really rest for time. We were really pressed for time and we ran out of a budget. I don't know. But uh, yeah, this movie is a definite skip. If you're gonna watch anything with the grudge on it, watch Juon. Watch The Grudge or The Grudge 2. Even watch The Grudge 3. I would watch that before I watch this. Thumbs down. Well, thanks for stopping by, guys, and listening to us gab about The Grudge. Yeah. It was a good time. I no. mean, yeah, it was decent. It was decent. <laughs> Minus the part where I had to hawk a loogie. I, know. <laughs> I was, was having a good. tough time. You were, you were struggling. Sorry about that for those of you that might have sensitivities, kind of sensitivities to hearing someone. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, we might have to edit that out. Just no, it leave it. We'll leave it in. It keeps character. Yeah. You know? So we've got a couple uh, really cool episodes actually coming up. I'm very excited. The next episode after this is actually going to be a challenge episode. We were challenged by CJ from Coffee Talk with CJ. Shout out to CJ. Hi, CJ. Hey. So he challenged us to make an episode on two horror movies that really freaked him out, which actually these are some of my favorites. So I thought that was kind of cool. Freddy versus Jason, which I mean, come the fuck on. <laughs> I fucking love that movie. And uh, Mirrors, which is a great horror movie. Christine's making a face. <laughs> we really do need to start videoing our podcast. Yes, we do. I just got a ring light for Christmas. It'll I mean, happen. It'll happen. You guys are going to be so excited to just to see, see all my faces. All her faces. <laughs> uh, all my um, loogie hawking faces. Right. Those of you that are like, I have a crush on you on social media Fuck. because there are, I get messages and just giving y'all a shout out. I mean, thanks. But out of the two of us, I am the most gross. Um, <laughs> she is pretty gross. You don't even know me. I've known her for um, many years and I can firsthand say Christine's pretty gross. Yeah, she's pretty and pretty gross. <laughs> but I love her, so it's okay. Thanks. So some more things that we're going to do. We're going to do an episode um, on Lights Out and Bird Box. Oh, fuck yes. Which is going to be really fun. Bird Box. I... Yeah. Oh, Sandy B. Sandy, Sandy B. B. Is it Sandra B. Or is it Julia Roberts? The world may never know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who's can... an idiot that says that? Is it you? No, it's Julian from uh, Jenna Marbles, oh, her fuck. boyfriend. She can never tell the difference between Julia Roberts, Sandra Bullock, and Anne Hathaway. <laughs> it, what? You can't oh tell the God. difference between them. It's amazing. Oh, Julian. Come on, Julian. 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 <laughs> okay. So then we're also going to do an episode on all the insidious movies, mm-hmm. which will be fun. Four of them. So get locked in. Get locked in. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> It's going to be a really fun time. Yeah. More Patrick Wilson. Oh, fuck all the Patrick Wilson. Somebody he Patrick is Wilson. he is in he's in Pitch Black too. He is? Yeah, don't you remember that? I think that was him. I don't remember that. We'll see. So, thank you guys once again for listening our 10th episode. We appreciate every single one of you that listen to us when you get a chance. You know, we've got a really great following on Twitter. They're all very interactive with us. I love it. But once again, our Twitter is BF Horror Story. Please go follow us. We'll follow you back. And I mean, then maybe. Maybe if you're cool. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not messaging Christine creepy things about how you have a crush on her. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then um, our Instagram is Best Friends Horror Story. And we are available everywhere you can get your podcasts. Uh, we're also on iHeartRadio now, which is awesome. And JK's, it's Cole Hauser that plays John's on ah, uh, fucking Pitch Black. So just kidding. Sorry, Sorry I thought it was him. They, what they, are look, those? they look alike. They Sorry. do. Let's do an episode on all the celebrity lookalikes. Yay! Yay! All right, guys. We will see you in the next episode. Bye! Bye!